Malcolm Nance, who has worked in military intelligence for 40 years, served on the Foreign Legion. He explains that the weapon systems that they want to send to Ukraine are vital to fight against Russia. They need this game changer, they say. He likened the HIMARS or the M270 multiple launch systems to a surgeon's scalpel. He says this cuts the life and the supply lines of the Russians. It eliminates Russian troops with what he calls murderous accuracy. You see, Russia is coming out now and they are completely condemning the United States of America, Germany, and other countries for giving these weapons of war to Ukraine. This is a quote. Many of these missions have killed hundreds of Russians at once, Nance has said. However, the range of these systems is only out to about 100 kilometers. The Ukrainians could fire on Russian points with that same amount of precision, but from 350 kilometers away, plus a lot more firepower if they, if they are provided with new weapons systems. He says it would open Russian positions to attack in every part of Ukraine. The problem is Russia knows that as soon as these weapon systems are given to Ukraine, it gives the Ukrainian military, backed by the United States of America and Russia, a full chance to fire upon uh, Russian positions inside of Russia's borders. That, Russia says, will lead us directly into nuclear conflict. The intelligence analyst has now highlighted that it will be within Ukraine's possibility to take out rail lines to remove bridges that lead from Russia to Ukraine. Ukraine's ability to wipe out different bridges would become realistic advantages with new weapon systems. You have now Congress people in the United States government. You have NATO. You have U.S. military leaders. And here you have intelligence operatives, each saying that the time is now to give Ukraine better weapons. Send in the F-16s, they say. Give these new systems that will allow Russia to be defeated. This is exactly why Russia sees this as a direct war between itself and NATO. This is from the Russian Foreign Ministry. They are quoted as saying NATO is training to launch cyber attacks on vital sites inside of Russia. The chairman of the committee of the Russian Federal Council for Information Policy says that we are moving into another position like the First World War. The Russian Security Council has said that if a third world war breaks out, the world will turn to ashes and the tanks that America sends in will not help. An Israeli ambassador to Germany has stated that despite Israel not claiming openly to helping Ukraine in this war with Russia, Israel supports Ukraine in the war much more than what is publicly known. We're starting to see that with the recent attacks on drone building facilities inside Iran. Owning to the dangers that the technology represents for the coming decade, the White House has stated that the United States of America and the European Union have signed an agreement on artificial intelligence. That's right, open source analysts say that your every movement is now mapped out by AI. <coughs> when you go to the grocery store, this data is backed up by your cellular uh, signal. When you make a phone call, who are you calling? Your sentiment on your voice is analyzed. That analyzation is then given, given into data sets. Those data sets say, are you upset? Do you get upset only when you talk to a certain person? Do you get mad when you get home from work? What have you said that was maybe idle but could be seen as a threat? And every one of your data points leads artificial intelligence to map out exactly what you will do, or at least very close in what you could do. Every new action that you take reaffirms a certain mapping of that algorithm. I'll give you an example. If you always travel south down a road to your home, you can pick any direction that you would normally go. The first map of this algorithm says that, okay, he might be going home. She might be going home. Well, back in this data op, if it's 5.30 and you get off work at 5 o'clock, there's a high degree of likelihood that you're going home. Maybe you'll text or call somebody and ask if they need something from a store. They already know which store you're likely to go to. 
there's a fact of the matter here that we are way behind the curve of artificial intelligence. We're way behind the curve of knowing what they will do, but they know exactly what you will do. Reports in the economy say that only one of three Americans, you know four people, there's a chance that maybe two of them cannot comfortably cover a simple emergency expense of 200 to $400. Bloomberg's reporting on this now. Iran has enough enriched uranium for several nuclear bombs, according to the IAEA director. He says that Tehran is close to the point of no return. They say that now is the time to act. Israel knows this, the USA knows this, and maybe that's what we're starting to see. The US State Department says that efforts to revive any sort of nuclear agreement with Iran are no longer on our agenda. Analysts think that maybe because a decision to act has already been made. In Mexico, a fairly notable video shows cartel members affiliated with the Sinaloa cartel. They are disguised as National Guard members. My preparedness tip for you is that this disguising technique will be used in social conflicts in your area. You think okay. that neighbor uh, that's coming down the street in a yeah. political conflict is a of an opposing political view? <clears throat> Maybe not. Maybe they're showing the same ideologies that you do. And that's when they truly create conflict. A retired NATO general, Peter Pavel, has secured the position of the Czech presidential election. With the securing of this position, analysts say that it's only a matter of time before the Czech backing in this war against Russia is really seen out in the open. Now, according to news reporting outlets, speaking of artificial intelligence, a freelance writer has said that ChatGPT wrote a article worth almost $1,000 to him in just 30 seconds. Economic watchers say that this release is and was a black swan event. They warn that millions of jobs are at stake here, maybe even yours. According to information that we are using, ChatGPT can already replicate the writing styles of different authors. It can be trained to mimic the sentiment and tone, even the written voice of a particular brand or an organization. Freelancers uh, are then pointing out the obvious, saying that if a company can improve its bottom line by cutting costs, it will. So no matter your job right now, this is why they're calling it a black swan, because let's say, for instance, you, uh, I'll just pick anything, you're a customer service representative. Well, they already have text-to-voice that's great, so now they use chat GPT. They take in the text from a call-in, and it gets written right into, uh, right from voice to text. Chat GPT, or it's like, takes that in, analyzes the sentiment, here's the questions. It can answer those questions faster than you ever could. It can rebuttal better than you can. It can sell you better than you can. It can literally do everything better than us. Good job is safe. So here we have these analysts saying that any sentimental attachment to human created content will be quickly overridden by your corporation. You work at McDonald's, you work at Walmart, you work at T-Mobile, you work at uh, the government office. It doesn't matter. You can lose your job to this. That's why they're saying it was the black swan in the economy. You want unemployment to go off Federal Reserve? Here you go. We can replace 80% of the workforce in the USA. Basically, everybody becomes the laborer because yet that's what it can't do. But don't worry, Tesla and uh, Boston Dynamics, they're working on that. So we can fuse ChatGPT with a robot, some AI. They can do everything that a company wants them to. You will have no job in the future. It's a very scary aspect, a uh, very scary and suspect part of our near future. These writers say that they suspect by economic argument that corporations are going to be quick quick to adapt to it. We're already seeing news organizations saying we don't need writers anymore. We are seeing uh, corporations like 
uh, cellular companies saying we don't need customer service reps anymore. They say it's a super fast labor. It doesn't sleep. It doesn't eat. It will not complain. It don't. It won't take holidays. They say all forms of writing, from marketing to advertisements, authors, teachers, humans will prompt the AI to generate creation, and only one human will be needed to step in and fact check, to edit, and to approve it. They say how long before the model learns to spot commercial opportunities, generate new ideas, put perfect content without any human involvement at all. Moving forward past that dystopian future, we're continuing to monitor the location of U.S. warships after noting that U.S. Air Force Lockheed Martin C-130Js have been flying around Miami, Florida. In addition, the U.S. Coast Guard has been flying around that area. They might just be running drills or they might be looking for something. A European country has proposed sending cluster munitions to Ukraine, believing the controversial weapons, whose use by Russia has been openly condemned, would help Ukraine on the battlefield. Officials say that this arming of Ukraine is absolutely vital. An official from the European uh, country has said that they didn't want to be identified by their name or their country. They said their government has approved the shipment, and it was now seeking permission from other nations who are involved in the production of such munitions and just completed an agonizing debate to uh, send further weapons to Ukraine. A UN treaty backed by most Western countries has banned the use and the transfer and banned the uh, even the movement or holding on to of cluster bombs, which spread dozens of smaller explosives. They pose a threat long after the conflict ends. Russia has signed no such treaty. The United Nations has already voiced its concern over Moscow's use of these weapons types, and it is being said by opposing countries in Europe that these weapons are more advanced and the West needs to be more forward-leaning to support Ukraine. They say this is finally what could stop Russia altogether. The Ukrainians are, the Ukrainians are asking for them. They are legitimate weapons. The collateral damage isn't that large anymore, they say. That's the exact same argument they're going to use when they want to use small nuclear weapons. We've really tightened it up, they'll tell you. It's no different than a larger conventional weapon, they'll say. They warn that although these weapon types uh, back in the 40s and 50s were extremely large, now they're very manageable. That was an official on a visit to Washington. They say Ukraine needs to win this war. That is the goal. But what's going unsaid is that you can only win a war by defeating another country. And Russia, Russia has said that if Russia is defeated, Russia throws the nukes. Mexican customs have detained a person attempting to smuggle dozens of assault weapons into Mexico from the USA. They were smuggling the weapons from a car. You know, things are getting pretty bad when they're smuggling guns from America into Mexico. The war there right now is rampant. In a related news article, we're seeing a bill that has been introduced to the USA by Representative Dan Crenshaw. This will allow the use of military force against Mexican drug and gang cartels in order to fight against suspected drug trafficking, fentanyl coming into the USA. We are seeing signs of a looming debt crisis among US consumers. These signs are beginning to flash red hot alerts and warnings. They're saying it is a triple problem. Credit card balances are at an all-time high. Annual percentage rates are up. Consumers are taking on more debt every month. The debt relief industry has already warned that it's seen an enormous surge in demand. Now, debt relief is where people call into a, uh, a debt relief company and they say, like, I can't pay my bills. I can't pay my credit card debt. This company will then negotiate with the credit card companies on your behalf. They're going to make you, it's going to ruin your credit. They will make you go into debt. They will make you stop paying your bills. Your credit is already shot, but it's one step closer than bankruptcy. And so the debt relief company will step in and they'll negotiate on your behalf because 
Visa, who are Capital One, will say, hey, John Doe owes me, uh, you know, $19,000. The negotiator, the debt relief company, will say, well, I'm sorry, you're obviously not getting anything. Will you take $3,000? Capital One will say, no, we'll take uh, $18,000. The negotiating company will say, obviously, they're not going to pay anymore. We'll get back to you later. A little bit later, they'll come back and Capital One will say, you know what, we'll take that $5,000, $3,000, whatever it was that you offered before, because it's better than nothing. And it's obvious John Doe's about to go into bankruptcy. So these debt relief industry giants are saying that they are seeing enormous surges in demand, people stepping in. That means that starting last summer, when consumers started struggling to be able to pay their bills, they're now already cracking. They say the dam is about to break. And we're about to see a huge debt crisis. Discover Financial Services, the CFO there, John Green, he issued to the world an ominous warning. He said a sharp uptick in delinquencies was beginning to be seen in the debt world. In the card portfolio, he says, the net charge-off rate was 87 basis points higher than the prior year, and 45 basis points higher sequentially. This is during the firm's fourth quarter earnings call when he said things are just starting to get bad. Credit card balances have been climbing for months now. Inflation has outpaced wage gains. People can't afford their bills. They can't pay their electricity and their food bills. Now we're starting to see they can't pay their credit card bills. The New York Federal Reserve, the uh, bank of the Federal Reserve in New York, reported a 15% increase in credit card balances for the third quarter of 2022, so just last quarter. This amounts to the largest surge in more than 20 years. A new report from creditcards.com that was released recently shows three out of four people holding credit cards added to their balances enormously. 72% of the people, nearly half of them, 48%, took on additional debt due to rising costs. 34% saw their balances jump due to rising interest rates. That's right, because their game is to have you pay your $35 bill and make it be $65. Well, when the interest rates jump a little bit, that now becomes the $35 bill on the ticket becomes a $38, $39 bill. It will end up being $70. According to the company's sister site, which is bankrate.com, there are more people carrying debt. 46% of credit card holders are carrying debt now from month to month. This is up from just 39% a year ago. Bankrate's senior industry analyst, Ted Rossman, has said that for people with lower incomes, it's easy to see how everyday essentials have overwhelmed a paycheck with everything from rent to groceries, gas even. Everything costs so much more. It's a vicious cycle, he says, because most households don't have enough emergency savings. We have found previously that emergency expenses are the most common explanation for credit card debt. Some of them is a medical bill, car repair, something at your home. Next are day-to-day -day expenses because they can't afford to eat otherwise. This is your warning, folks. This debt bubble is going to crash. It's not just going to pop open. It is literally going to crash. We are going to see an enormous struggle from your brothers and sisters, your neighbors. People are going to get more depressed, more angry, and more anxious. And if there's anything that I don't like, it's a depressed, anxious, and angry person out there in the world who looks at the wrong target. That target one day could be you. It's time to get ready. Thank you guys for being here with us every day. The only channel on YouTube bringing you actionable information seven days a week. I hope that you'll check back tomorrow to see what's going on in the world. From my family to yours, please stay safe and keep watch. This week's Full Spectrum News is brought to us by you. Thanks for answering all the questions of people that people are leaving down in the comments. Yo. Okay.
what's happening to these videos? This is not. Is my playing right? No, I ain't playing right. Hold I on. Think we got some shit going on, period. Cause everybody keeps telling me my phone messed up. I ain't saying shit right.
San Luis Obispo, California, August 29, 2017. Kennedy Love was a 22-year-old third-year student at Cal Poly studying landscaping architecture. At around 11.30 p.m., he was riding his bicycle on Foothill Boulevard in San Luis Obispo. He was killed when a driver struck him at a high rate of speed and kept going. The assailant didn't stop, didn't even bother to summon help. It was a reprehensible act of hit and run. Kennedy Love died at the scene. Witnesses would later tell the police that they saw a vehicle with damage to the driver's side window pull into the parking lot of a nearby Panda Express. Witnesses say that two women got out of the car and examined the damage to the vehicle, but they didn't call for help. They didn't tell anyone what had just happened. Instead, the two women just got back into the car and fled the scene. Police would soon locate the vehicle that killed Kennedy Love. It had been abandoned, but they were still able to trace it back to its owner, who was in Los Osos. They determined that the killer was 17-year-old Gianna Brincola. She confessed to drinking and crashing her car into Kennedy Love. Her blood alcohol level was 0.148, which was twice the legal limit of 0.08. She was arrested for hit and run. The DA said that she would be tried as an adult, and they planned to file four charges against her, including vehicular manslaughter while intoxicated without gross negligence, driving under the influence causing death, and hit and run. The charges carried several criminal enhancements that could add significant time to a possible sentence if she was convicted. But, of course, she has genetic immunity from law, so as soon as the cameras were gone, racial privilege kicked in, and all the so-called enhancements went right away. In April 2018, she was allowed to have a sweetheart plea deal that basically let her plea with no particular sentence being required, which we all recognize was the DA allowing this killer to get away with murder. She was sentenced to a mere seven years in prison, but of course, racial privilege means immunity from the law, so she was released December of the very next year by the California Department of Corrections because she had, get this, completed a so-called community reentry program. Well, she killed a man, then fled the scene, so obviously this was a turning point in her life, right? I mean, the white authorities in the California Department of Corrections said she completed a reentry program. So they were certifying that she was now a reformed killer. And these are the people who refuse to let black defendants go for minor offenses, but obviously their judgment can't be questioned, right? I mean, they must be excellent judges of character, and they're not just letting criminals remain on the streets because of their race, right? Of course not. The same way Ethan Couch, the so-called affluenza teen, was given a slap on the wrist after he killed four people while he was driving drunk, Gianna Brincola would get the same treatment. Less than two years after she was released, Gianna Brincola was arrested again after she had struck four parked cars while driving drunk on Halloween 2021. In this instance, she also tried to drive away from the scene of the crime. But only this time, bystanders were able to stop her and take the keys out of the ignition. Witnesses say that Gianna Brancola tried to offer them money if they would let her go. So what she wanted was for this to be yet another hit and run. Her blood alcohol level this time exceeded 0.3%. That's more than three times the legal limit. Remember, her prior criminal case involved a blood alcohol level of only 0.148%, which was less than double the legal allowed blood alcohol content. But this time around, it was triple the legal limit. So the only thing she learned was to drink more. So we see how great the California Department of Corrections is at judging character, and we see how effective their re-entry programs are at making sure killers are qualified to re-enter society. Well, you can guess what happened next. There was the usual insincere tough talk from the DA again about hitting her with major charges, and then she was promptly allowed to enter a plea deal, which will only require her to do six years tops. But as we all know, last time she was sentenced to seven years, and I think we all know how that one turned out. Now, the way the white media reported on this, they said that this is her second strike under California law. Except that's not actually true. Because there's a little factoid that the white media has decided to leave out of all their coverage of Gianna Brancola's latest DUI crime. I'm sure you won't be surprised to learn that this latest DUI crash is actually her third. You see, Gianna Brancola was responsible for another DUI crash four months before she killed Kennedy Love. 
Now, when you click on the link that's supposed to take you to the story about the April 30th, 2017 DUI crash she was involved in, what you get instead is a page not found error. That's very interesting that this story in particular would be conveniently missing. But of course, being the black media, we're not just uncompromising, we're relentless too. So all you gotta do is use the Wayback Machine and you can see a snapshot showing an archived version of the story. A story which the white media seems interested in forgetting. In that instance, she got drunk and then got into a head-on collision with another car injuring two people. Oh, and just so you know, that crash also happened on Foothill Boulevard, the exact same place where she killed Kennedy Love. In that particular case, the DA refused to charge her. That's right. You have this teenage punk who got herself into a head-on collision, drunk behind the wheel, and the DA decides, well, I'm not doing anything about this. Sure, you injured some people. Sure, you destroyed some property. You could have killed somebody or killed two people anyway. But I'm not doing anything about it because, hey, no autopsy, no foul, right? Now, if the yeah, DA had merely decided I'm not to ignore the law, if yeah. he decided to um, merely do his job, if she didn't have genetic immunity from law extended to her, then she would have been charged and she would never have been on the streets in the first place and Kennedy Love would still be alive today if the DA had merely done his job. Kennedy Love's blood is as much on the hands of the DA as it is Gianna Brancola. No politician and no political candidate will ever run on a platform of putting someone with genetic immunity from law in prison or run on a platform of promising to finally stop letting the Gianna Brancolas be immune from the law. The problem isn't that they haven't had the goods on her until now. The problem is that the authorities are refusing to do their jobs based on the race of the person in front of them. And we see the DA is not the only one refusing to do his job. The white media is also deciding they're not going to do theirs either. This is Gianna Brancola's third DUI incident, not her second. She's already on her third strike. But who are we kidding? Three strikes was written for black people. For the Gianna Brancolas, just like the Ethan Couches, there are no strikes. You just get to have free home runs. Now, with all the phony outrage about people released on no-cash bail committing crimes, why are the Gianna Brancolas never talked about? These are people who are released to go on to engage in the exact same criminal behavior and to commit the exact same crimes, and many times in the exact same places. And yet the white media doesn't make the Gianna Brancolas the face of why we need tougher laws and why we need tougher legislation to keep people like her in a cage. And why is that? Because when it comes to talking about crime, they want to condition the public to only think of black people. Crime is not supposed to be Gianna Brancola killing a young man and destroying property. Crime means black people, period. But what happened was not some failure of the law. It was the law working exactly the way it was designed. For black people, the law has nothing but pitfalls, trapdoors, and roadblocks. But for other people, it's engineered to have nothing but back doors and escape hatches, which will be given to them by the very prosecutors and parole boards and judges who are supposed to make sure that they never get out of prison in the first place. Everybody understands that under white supremacy, the charges that get filed against you, the sentence you receive, and how much of it you have to serve is not based on the crime you're accused of at all. It's not based on how heinous the crime was or the evidence against you. It's based solely on one thing and one thing only, the color of your skin. Laws and the apparatuses that administrate it are color-coded. Laws were not meant to punish the Gianna Brancolas. They were written to punish black people. The criminal class in America are the Dylan Roofs, the Peyton Gendrys, the Gianna Brancolas. They are also the recidivist class because they commit the same exact crimes in the same exact places over and over and over. But then again, why shouldn't they? They already know they have genetic immunity from law. They know from the very beginning that unless they commit a mass murder, the system's guaranteed to give them a slap on the wrist. And these racist DAs and judges who refuse to punish them also know that the white media won't put a spotlight on any of them. They'll be able to keep their prosecutor's office, keep their job on the bench, public's never going to be focused on punishing them because the white media won't allow it. Look at what happened in California after Brock Turner raped that girl. The judge in that case, Aaron Persky, totally ignored the law and blatantly said in open court that he did not care what the law said or what he was supposed to do. 
he didn't want to ruin Brock Turner's life. At no point did Persky express any concern about the young woman whose life Turner ruined. It took a university professor rallying the public to hold that corrupt judge accountable. But it wasn't with any of the white media's help. The white media, on the other hand, they decided to be the PR squad for Aaron Persky. They said, why, if you recall this judge and take him off the bench, why, every other judge will be terrified to do their jobs. These judges, why, they'll just give people hard sentences no matter what the crime, because they're going to be terrified of getting recalled if they don't. Well, would you like to know when Aaron Persky was recalled? June 2018, over four years ago. So have you seen any of the judges in California giving the Brock Turners or the Gianna Brancolas harsh sentences and other people with genetic immunity from law just getting the max? When has that started? The white media was making a blatant plea to maintain their racial privilege. I'm talking about the white medias to maintain their genetic immunity from the law. They didn't care about Aaron Persky. The issue that was at stake was that the people who run and operate the white media look at the behavior of Gianna Brancola, Ethan Couch, Brock Turner, and they see their own behavior. They see how these criminals are immune from the law based on race. And as the white media, they want to make sure they have that same immunity for themselves because they need it. They use it every day. The same system of racial privilege that allowed Brock Turner to walk scot-free is also the same system of racial privilege that made Aaron Persky a judge in the first place. The same system of racial privilege that allows the denizens of the white media to have their cushy jobs and live their undeservedly plush lifestyles. They are all bound by the same chain of racial privilege, and they all benefit from it, and they all need it. They couldn't do without it. So no matter what they think of Brock Turner, no matter what he's done, when the white media sees someone threatening racial privilege, they're going to scream and howl, and most of all, they're going to lie to protect it. As a result of this across-the-board protection of the criminal class, the Gianna Brincolas and the Brock Turners they don't really think that they're taking a big risk at all to commit a DUI or to even kill someone. Because everyone knows the prosecutors and the courts and the white media will all swing into action to downplay and minimize those crimes and to bury the reporting of it, to marginalize it, and to not even mention the victims. And to explain to the public why a slap on the wrist is the only acceptable outcome, because anything more than that would be overcharging the perpetrators who the white media won't even refer to as perpetrators. They'll lie to the public by omission and claim that a career criminal like Brincola is only on her second strike, when in reality, she's actually on her third. And nobody's gonna be looking at the DA and saying, man, you sure screwed up on this one. You're responsible for this. We need to go ahead and put you on front street. No, they're gonna ignore all of that. The DA pays no price for it. Because to punish the DA for what can only be called criminal negligence, would also mean punishing the DA for not upholding genetic immunity from law. Gianna Brincola's criminal record will simply be omitted from the white media's reporting because it doesn't fit their racial innocence narrative. No one questions it and no one opposes it, except for only the black media. Well, that's not justice, it's racial fiat. Normally, when doing these crime reports, I tell you about the mass killings that the white media won't, but in this case, I wanted to use this as a case study in how criminality by certain demographics is always covered up and always minimized, and how even when the white media reports on it in the past, when they decide that it doesn't fit the narrative, they'll go ahead and bury it. And no matter how the white media may try to spin things, or no matter how they try to laud or praise themselves, when you're dealing with the white media, you're never getting the entire story. If you live in California, or even if you live in San Obispo, you probably hadn't even heard of Gianna Brincola, had you? But you should have. Everyone should have heard of her. And even if you had heard of this woman, you didn't know that this was actually her third offense, did you? Because the white media didn't tell you that. Their job is to lie. They lie by telling you things that aren't true, but they also lie by omission. That means they leave things out. The white media does not engage in news coverage. Their job is news cover-ups. This is why you need the black media. We dig for the facts and information that the white media doesn't want you to know. Whenever the white media is reporting on a story, 
very first thing you better ask is, okay, now what is it that they're not telling? Because as it turns out, it's a lot. That Gianna Brincola character, she's not the only one running from her crimes. The white media is also running from their own hit-and-run propaganda, too. And as the black media, it's our job to make sure they don't get away either. And that's this week's Friday Crime Report. Keep your eyes open and stay on alert, because there's a lot worse criminals out there than the ones the white corporate media chooses to show you. Or in this case, not show Good day, and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Burkett Cockcrane, David Green, Ogun Keeps Coming Back, <laughs> and Amir Miller. Salute to them, and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message.